grind set inspirational posts are a dime a dozen on social media. Some of your favorite fighters probably make them. Winners grind, losers don't. But one aspect of success none of them ever seem to mention is blind luck. It's a huge part of life, and it's no different for mixed martial arts as well. Today's video is all about wins that had a truly hand of God intervention. Now, we're not talking about DQs or quote lucky punches or even doctor stoppages, and we're not even trying to take away from the victories. A win is a win, just ask Vinny D. But by pure chance, the fights on today's list were essentially handed to the victors on a silver platter. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are the luckiest victories in MMA history. Number 10, Arnold Allen versus Calvin Cater, Fight Night 213. We kick things off with a recent headliner. The 2022 campaign of the Boston Finishers started off great with a big win over Giga Jakadze, but would only go downhill from there. First, losing a very close split decision to Josh Emmett, and then the disaster that was the fight that made our list. Cater's fifth straight main event bout would be against the surging Arnold Allen, who came into the UFC just to boy the age of 12, but had since gone on to win eight straight with a huge performance of the night victory over Dan Hooker in London earlier this year. Cater would be Allen's truest test to date, and while he could have very well passed it with top marks on his own accord, in the first round, Calvin would awkwardly land after an ill-fated flying knee attempt and just blow his whole knee out. The situation was dire, but Calvin would survive the round somehow. The doc took a look, gave him the okay, but eight seconds into the next round, a leg kick would seal the deal. Overall, a pretty easy night at the office for Allen, considering Cater is nearly unkillable and likely would have needed the full 25 minutes to defeat. Number 9. Demetrius Johnson versus Ian McCall, UFC on FX2. The only reason this one is lower on the list is because technically it's not a win, but you'll see. Cast your mind back to March 3rd of 2012. People are occupying Wall Street, the Lorax movie had just come out the night before, four days later some stupid cartoon about fights would begin. And of course, the first ever flyweight bout in UFC history would take place between Demetrius Johnson and Ian McCall, the first of two semifinals that night in a four-man flyweight tournament to determine the division's first ever champion. After a close first, DJ was the clear winner of the second, but by no means would he be scoring any 10-8s. The third round, however, was all McCall, and not only could it have probably been stopped right before the horn, as he was battering Johnson on the ground with no real way to defend himself, but I also think a 10-8 could have been warranted. That's how dominant Uncle Creepy was. But when the cards were read, Johnson was awarded a majority decision. So what a bad score. How does that make this list when there's a million of those a year? Well, for two reasons. One, the cards were added up wrong and the fight was officially a majority draw. I'm sure when Uncle Creepy watched 281, he was full-on DiCaprio pointing at the TV meme as the commission did in fact change the bad math on the scorecards on the fly. This tournament was to have a fourth sudden victory round in case of a draw, meaning DJ would have had to pull himself together and try to survive five more minutes. Instead, a second fight was scheduled and Johnson would go on to be the greatest flyweight ever. Number 8. Juicy A Formiga versus Scott Jorgensen Fight Night 38 It's always tough having to fight somebody of a lower rank than you by a good margin, especially when they're a solid opponent. The risk is high, the reward very little. In the case of number 7 flyweight Formiga against number 13 flyweight Jorgensen, Scott was even a 2-1 to one favorite. But thems be the breaks sometimes, as they say, and the Brazilian went out there to prove he shouldn't have been labeled the underdog. It was a tale as old as MMA, grappler versus striker. Formiga was constantly shooting in, looking to get a hold of Jorgensen, who was looking to put his lights out. A few minutes into the first, however, these strategies would clash literally when Jussier's head slammed into Scott's chin, scoring a knockdown that only Brian Stan noticed. This would lead to Formiga getting Jorgensen's back and securing the choke. It was clearly an unintentional headbutt, but talk about your lucky breaks all around. Scott would appeal the Brazilian Athletic Commission, but they ruled the boys will be boys, and the victory stands to this day. Number 7, Jeremy Kennedy versus Aaron Pico, Bellator 286. Alright, so yes, this was a doctor stoppage, which I said in the intro there wouldn't be, but 
but this is a very unique situation for several reasons, and still very much a lucky victory for Jeremy Kennedy, so let's explain why this one was allowed while, say, Connor's exploding leg was not. First and foremost, it would appear that Pico did this to himself. It was not caused by any particular action by Kennedy as far as I could find, but you can see very early on in the first round that Pico is pointing to his shoulder, unable to use his arm, and then at one point trying to violently put it back in place on his own mid-fight. Jeremy seems entirely unaware of the situation, but is doing very well, considering he's fighting a single-armed Aaron Pico. When the round ends, we get a wild scene. One of my favorite coaches in the sport, Six-Gun Gibson, is looking to pop Pico's shoulder back into place, which we have seen in fights before, and the athlete is able to go back out there. Now, I'm no doctor, but a doctor who broke this down said this is absolutely not how you put a dislocated shoulder back in place, and could have potentially injured the athlete. So there's that insane aspect of this, and if you saw the TJ Dillashaw fight at UFC 280 by contrast, you know that placing the shoulder back isn't such a violent production, and potentially could have been done. All that said, Aaron seemed fine with the motion he had, trying to convince the doc to let him go, despite their failed efforts to put the shoulder back in. The fight was called, but because the doctor thought he had a broken clavicle, which would turn out to be incorrect. And so it's for all of those reasons that this entry was included, and that Jeremy Kennedy's TKO earned a lucky spot on our list. Number 6. Bigfoot Silva vs. Travis Brown, UFC on FX5 Coming off his huge victory over Fedor, Bigfoot Silva would stumble just a bit, with a couple fellas from AKA KOing him in the first round back-to-back so he wasn't exactly expected to beat Travis Brown, as Hoppe was unbeaten after five straight octagon appearances and looked to be heading for the title picture soon. Brown raring to go started the bout with some energetic fancy kicks way out of range, the first of which he threw high with his left leg 23 seconds in, though, completely blew his knee out. Oops for fancy heavyweight kicks. From there, it was just a matter of time. Travis was a sitting duck, and once Silva keyed in on the fact that he was hurt, he charged and put away the Jackson Wink product with a first-round TKO. You might say his next win against Alex Mr. Overeem was lucky too, as the Demolition Man grossly underestimated his opponent, but he was still at full capacity, just fighting silly, whereas Brown had a bum wheel just a few seconds in, and there was no chance he was going to recover. Number 5. Matt Hughes vs. Carlos Newton, UFC 34 Was it a choke? Was it a slam? Can it be both? I suppose at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, but let's talk about why it was incredibly lucky for country boy Matt. So, Newton took the welterweight strap from Hughes' fight daddy Pat Militich earlier that year at UFC 31, and on a 7-fight win streak, Matt would be given a chance to avenge his team. The first round was back and forth, with Hughes looking for big slams and Newton looking for submissions. They would both find success in the second. After getting the fight to the canvas with a throw, Matt struggled to pass and would find himself in a triangle, opting to use his insane farm strength to pick Carlos up and carry him over to the cage wall while he considered what to do. As Newton sunk in the choke, Hughes either passed out entirely and just fell dead weight resulting in the slam, or started a slam and went to sleep on the way down. Either way, both men were out when they hit the mat. Big John saw Newton out first and called the fight a victory for Hughes. Matt had to be told that he won, he didn't have a clue. Given the circumstances, they would run it back that next July with no funny business and a clean win for Militich Fighting Systems. Number 4. Aljamain Sterling vs. TJ Dillashaw, UFC 280 Oh yeah, you knew if we were going to talk about Pico, we were going to talk about this one. I'm sure when Aljo signed up for his second bantamweight title defense against former champion TJ Dillashaw, he assumed it would be his toughest test to date. While inactive quite a bit in recent history, 
Lil Tai Tai is one of the best 135ers ever, and the type of guy you just knew was going to come in there fully prepared. It was a fight I was looking very forward to, even expertly noting as Dillashaw walked out that he looked absolutely ready. Which is just full proof that I'm a fucking idiot, because TJ was not ready. In fact, since April, he was essentially incapacitated with a shoulder that would pop out of place if you too harshly insulted it. But with no real option in his mind but to stick it out, Dillashaw entered the cage. Aljo's first takedown would result in shoulder separation, and a desperate scramble to survive that would only get worse in the second, when Sterling realized there was a problem and it popped out again. The TKO stoppage would come 344 into the second, but the fight was essentially over before it even began. Number 3. Kevin Burns vs. Rumble Johnson Fight Night 14 This one still makes absolutely no sense to this day. Rumble Johnson and Kevin Burns met in a welterweight bout on that Anderson Silva Spike TV card where he destroyed James Irvin. The pair were having an interesting fight, there were a few good exchanges on the feet, Johnson was utilizing his wrestling for a good chunk of the three rounds, but a narrative running throughout was eye pokes by Burns. Now, these certainly didn't look intentional, but the first one, which appeared to cause a lot of issues for Rumble, went completely unnoted by referee Steve Mazzagatti. Luckily, the three after that, he would at least let Kevin know that he should stop putting his fingers into Johnson's eyeballs. It's the final eye poke in the third round, and the most egregious, that earns this fight a lucky spot on our list for Mr. Burns. It was a deep poke, and Rumble would immediately cry out and fling himself to the ground, forcing Mazzagatti to stop the fight. So, given the eye pokes throughout and the clear finish coming from an eye poke, this was of course a DQ win for Johnson, right? Nope, for some reason, Mustache Steve called it a TKO win for Burns, and here's the even crazier part, it was not overturned by Nevada on appeal. This entire system is an absolute joke. Like so many fights on this list, a rematch was implemented and Rumble got a head kick KO. Number 2. Nico Vitale vs. Matt Lindland, UFC 43 I would think the best possible victory you could have as a fighter is when your opponent defeats themselves for you. And perhaps the best example of this is when UFC newbie Nico Vitale took on former middleweight title contender Matt Lindland. Matt's only career defeat had come as a result of that belt challenge against Marilla Bustamante, otherwise he was perfect in six other UFC showings. Vitale was a Hawaiian regional guy and hadn't really fought anybody of note yet. Given Vitale's submissions, the biggest threat perceived would be that if Vitale could get the fight in a good spot on the ground, he might be able to get the sub. But high-level vet and longtime wrestler Lindland wasn't about to let Nico decide where the fight was fought, very early on working to get a throw. When he finally did, he would spike his own head into the canvas, knocking himself entirely unconscious. The easiest $50 Vitali ever made. I'm assuming that was his purse, since this was a prelim in 2003. The pair would of course meet again just a few months later to right the wrongs, and Matt would get Nico to tap to strikes in the third. Number 1. Nino Shimbri vs. Kazushi Sakuraba Pride 25 I think what we've learned today is that the most dangerous striking a grappler can do is apparently accidentally headbutting while attempting to get a hold of you. The fight between Kazushi Sakuraba and Nino Elvis Shimbri wasn't any kind of fight at all, really. Saku was already a legend by this point, and had only ever lost in pride to the best. Igor Bochanchin, Vandy, and Krokop. Even better, he'd just had some time off to heal from injuries, and pride had decided to start matching him up with fighters of his actual size, considering even putting a division together essentially just for him. That was until the Shimbri loss. A Gracie Jiu-Jitsu ace through and through, Shimbri was about a zero threat on the feet, and Sakuraba was fully aware of it, really laying into Nino with the stand-up for the better part of the first round. But about six minutes into this clinic, Elvis would shoot in for what looked like maybe a takedown before trying to transition into the clinch, resulting in a massive headbutt that nobody saw. It truly was blink and you missed it, but Sakuraba was essentially out cold. But it still counts as a win to this day, and the knees after the fact were credited with the stoppage. Less than a year later, Sakuraba would get a chance to earn back his victory, and did so with a UD win at Pride Critical Countdown 2004.
Four. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette, who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben Rosette. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.